that's when the feeling of freedom hit. For this short window of time, she'd park where she wanted, speed everywhere, run red lights, whatever the hell she felt like. If she only had a limited amount of time left, why waste it waiting for the bloody traffic lights to change? She wouldn't be dangerous. She didn't want to hurt anyone or be locked up. But they could find her every day for the rest of her life, and it just wouldn't matter. In the dark behind the toilets, David Evans, the earnest great-nephew of Vic and Ruth, was staring at her through a battered old pair of binoculars. Dave had been sent across the border by Vic. It also equipped him with an ancient two-way radio so he could report back to the Burbriars Central Command. Are you crying? asked an incredulous Vic. I can't help it, Uncle. It's beautiful. She really is. Did you say she? The whole thing, David lied, knowing as he spoke that in the short time he'd been watching Catherine, he'd fallen deeply in love with her. Trevor sat through the service, listening to Mrs Hopkins' daughter speak lovingly of her mother's frugal life and all the hardships she'd endured during the Great Depression and the Second World War. I hope Mum's happy now, she said. She never talked much about the afterlife, but I remember her telling me once that she didn't care whether she went to heaven or hell, just as long as she was with the Methodists. The mourners laughed. But Gavin just sighed. Bloody Methodists, he whispered. She stood to leave, but Dr Cunn motioned her to sit down. The other thing, she said. Other thing? Leone asked. I thought that's why you were here. What other thing? You know, the doctor said. The fact that you're, well, you're a bit translucent. He only looked back at the doctor and sat down again. You can see that, Dr. Khan nodded. Or rather, she told Leonie, it's what I can't see. Look at this. She held up her hand behind Leonie's back. What is it, Leonie asked. I can see my fingers, the doctor told her. One afternoon, the voice of God spoke to Pete through the Coke machine. He was fumbling through his pockets looking for a ten-cent piece when he heard it. It was pure, strong, and while neither male nor female, undeniably reminiscent of Morgan Freeman. You don't need another ten cents. Pete looked all around, trying to work out where the voice was coming from. There was no one in sight. Pete kept searching. The machine sighed. I said you don't need another coin. Just push the slider in. Pete went to disagree, but the machine raised its eyebrow as if to say, Are you really going to argue with me? One evening, the night before Raylene was due to come up for the last time because they knew it wouldn't be long now, Aggie surprised him by becoming young again. He knew it must be a trick of the light, but the age melted right off her. The lines and wrinkles disappeared and she was bloody 20. He looked at her for a long time. crowd shivered with collective anticipation. Bluey had gone down to the track where Irk was waiting, covered in sweat and was panting fit to burst. Then the announcement was made and the crowd erupted. Who won? Irk shouted. Who won? You did, you silly coot. You did. 
Man looked at horse and horse looked deeply back. Well, bugger me, Irk said. Bugger me sideways and call me Charlie. Charlie.